Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Coming up on today's Better Together. And you said to him, God, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm just a soccer mom. And his response was, it's the everyday people who do extraordinary things that are increasing the frequency of the planet. There is nothing more important, more special that you can do than be a soccer mom at this stage in your life. Just do it with love, compassion, conviction, and you will be living life with purpose. Can you expand on that? Amazing um, experience, and I share it in the uh, TEDx talk, which is Eckhart Tolle, who's a very popular author. Oprah's promoted him a lot. And I had this crazy situation when I went to go meet with him because I was cold, like I had a cold and I was late and I was very stressed about like getting the material I needed from him for my book. And I remember when I met him, um, there was like this moment of like, oh my God, I can just let go and breathe Mm -hmm. (laughs) and be present. I'm on a journey to get better and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menuda. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Together with Maria Menounos. Of course, I'm not Maria Menounos. 
I'm Mr. Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaard, sitting in for Maria while she uh, recharges. Uh, when you know better, you get better. And today we're going to start the show with not one, but two quotes. Wow. Because our guest had, this is the first time we've ever done this, our, our, I couldn't pick between all of the quotes, but there were just two that just resonated so deeply with me and I think with our Heal Squad community that I wanted to read them both. When we slow down to notice, the universe gives us the signs we need. And we may rely on others and turn to others for help, but ultimately our answers come from within. Mm. And I want, you know, obviously she's going to expand on this. She's going to explain this. These are quotes from the great Malika Chopra. Who am I? What do I want? How can I serve? What am I grateful for? These are the very first questions you will find on the website homepage of Malika Chopra. With that, not much more needs to be said other than she is a mom, entrepreneur, speaker, and author of the Just Be Children's book series. The best-selling series provides simple tools for kids and parents to understand and support social and emotional knowing, resilience, mindfulness, and self-reflection. Malika is here to discuss her latest book, as well as remedies to depression and job and life burnout. Heal Squad, please welcome our family friend, Malika Chopra. Hi, Malika. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you. And yes, long-term family friends, especially Maria and my brother, Gotham, <laughs> and with you as well. We've, uh, we've all known each other since Maria worked at Channel One with Gotham back in 2000, maybe? Like 2001? Yeah. I feel like the Boston days, like it's a long Right? Time. Yeah. And I forget the deep Boston connection, you know, because your dad worked there for a spell. So you guys, you live there too, right? Yep. We grew up in Boston. Yeah. So. Okay. That's because Gotham had the greatest stories about Larry Bird and the Celtics. And of course, now he works with Tom Brady. Um, I I don't know why. I forgot, Malika, you grew up in Boston. You, you're like, what? Yeah. Oof. <laughs> no, that's why I remember, you know, my brother and Maria um, from the Channel One days. I remember when she started there and both of them, Gotham had been there a, a little while and I, you were there as well. I remember even him telling uh, stories back in the day. So it's so nice to connect. So where did you grow up in Boston, Malika? We grew up in Lincoln. So yes. near Lexington, Concord. Yeah, you know. beautiful town. I was Medford and then Winchester. So, you know, Winchester and Lexington are on the... My parents, um, before Lincoln, uh, we were in Winchester. So I was in Winchester, Vincent Owen, till second grade. Oh, my God, the Vincent Owen. Okay, this is really... Okay, that's like a block away from where I lived. Wow. And I think um, they remodeled it now and stuff like that. Well, that is... Okay, I'm really tripped out. So now my game's really <laughs> thrown off, Malika. I forgot you're a masshole. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> at, at your heart of hearts. Um, let's talk about, I mean, I have so much I want to get into with you. Um, obviously, you know, your book series, Communicating with Children. Um, God, especially now it's so important. Um, the stuff you want to share with children uh, for, I think, for mental health and well-being. But um, you yourself had a spell of feeling burnout. Right? Yeah. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I grew up, many people, of course, you know, my brother, many people know my father, Deepak Chopra. So I think it actually begins maybe with my father's story of burnout, which is when I was around nine years old, 
I remember my father is a really stressed out, kind of miserable person, drank a lot, smoked. Um, he was working 24-7 and he discovered meditation. So I was about nine when that happened. So my parents taught me and got them meditation at that time. And what we saw as kids was complete transformation in my parents' life because with the practice, my mother, my father, our whole community, my dad quit certain habits like drinking and smoking and just being kind of miserable all the time. And he was more present and our entire family life changed because he was just around more happier suddenly would notice my brother and I and be like, Oh, what grade are you in? Um, there was a real transformation mm. in our family. Mm -hmm. So I was always very grateful as a child for the gift of meditation. That being said, um, for me, it was ir an irregular practice, something I found in and out of my life. Later, when I became a parent, I found it again, but then lost it again. And it was probably when my kids were 10, 12 years old, maybe in like when I was about 40, um, that, you know, I had a startup company, I was managing like my family life and kids. And I was actually speaking to an audience of women about meditation and balance. And while I was speaking to them, in the back of my head, I was thinking, God, I just had that chocolate chip cookie and double macchiato to keep my energy up. I have to go get the dry cleaning. Yes. I have to write that note to my investors. Forget about exercise or anything like, like that. And I was completely a mess. Um, and so I even on stage took this moment where I was like, you know what? I asked the audience to close their eyes and meditate. So they were quite happy. Um, but on stage, I thought, "My, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I kind of just got on, you know, the rhythm of that. Almost so, the same wheel your dad was on. When you were a kid. Yes, exactly. 30 years earlier. Um, and so that began a process for me about 10 years ago now where I really... When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Committed to understanding um, what my intentions were. So those questions that you asked in the beginning, who am I? What do I want? How can I serve? What am I grateful for? Really started to shape more. They came, they were questions my dad asked my brother and I when we were young, but they were more relevant at that time. And that began a whole practice of really, really thinking about uh, what I wanted in life and how I could get there. And so can we start by answering some of those questions when you ask yourself? So when you ask <laughs> yourself, so who am I? 
So this goes to, and just be the book for kids is shaped around these four questions. And that's what, why I wanted to write these books for kids, because I realized that in my life, who I am, the labels keep changing. And especially as kids, you know, we're often um, labeled as like the big sister, the little sister, mm -hmm. the kid who's into theater or the soccer right. player. Yes. Um, you know, and as a society, as parents, we get so proud of our our kids for certain things, but we kind of put them on a track. And by the way, that's also the, the nice version. We also yeah. get the lazy one which was me, Kelsey and I were having this discussion yesterday. Kelsey, you were the troubled one or which Kelsey's the least troubling person <laughs> I've ever met. But yeah. I think we do, we can label the children, both the positive, but also write the negative too. You know, you're the, you're the, the loud one mm -hmm. or you're the, you're the brat or you're the right. So absolutely. It, and I think that's this question of who am I? The goal is um, the intent is, to help kids recognize that they're beyond the labels. Mm. So, you know, they may be love soccer today, but next year they may want to be a gamer like, like my daughter. Um, and so, you know, who am I is really meant to think about who are you beyond all of the labels, how other people see you and you get that sense of who you are for, for me, I believe through experience. Um, so that is where like a meditation practice or something where you go beyond just the labels, you really feel a presence inside yourself that you take with you. And so my goal with kids is if we can introduce these concepts early on, um, they carry them hopefully with their, for the rest of the life in a way that I did. So, you know, for me, this is very much like it was my childhood as a parent, these are the lessons I wanted to share with my kids as well. And so that who am I? And in, in the book, what I do is I try to really break it down to think about, okay, you know, what's your name? What, what do you carry in your name? Your first name, your last name, your last name represents all these generations that came before. Some kids don't know where they came from. Um, why was it name chosen in our culture? You know, names have meanings. So it really begins with just the basic labels. And then it goes into, you know, what do you like to do? So the next question, um, what do I want? Right. When we were young, um, another phrase that my father used to share with us says, I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience and set the goals I will achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. And he would ask us, okay, guys, what do you ask for? So Gotham, of course, would ask for tickets to a Celtics game. <laughs> I'd ask for, a, you know, let's go to a trip to Hawaii or, um, you know, new clothes. And my dad would listen and then he'd say, okay, but what about asking for love, inspiration, um, a sense of purpose, connection. So we were taught to ask for the qualities in our life that made us happier, healthier, more connected of purpose. So I think those were two questions, which again, if we can start kids, you know, thinking that way, mm -hmm. um, and more importantly, experiencing those qualities, hopefully that anchors them with more security moving forward. And these are questions you probably even have to ask yourself more than just once, right? Like how often do you check in and ask yourself? Cause like you said, you're going to evolve. Yes. And so I would say having um, 
<laughs> done these practices for decades. I'm about to turn 50. Oh, so, you know, I would say what I wanted in my teens was very different from what I wanted in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. I can actually now look at decades um, and think through, you know, where I was at that time. And uh, I have another book for adults, which I talked to Maria about called Living with Intent. Mm-hmm. The subtitle is My Somewhat Messy Journey to Purpose, Peace and Joy. Mm. And the messy journey is the key word there. And that is um, really represents that at different times in our life, you know, we feel like, okay, we've got it together. Like we love Mm -hmm. our job, we are in good relationships, we're feeling healthy, um, maybe connected to people, but then something happens and we realize it's kind of falling apart. And it may be just, maybe it's a diagnosis with some sort Mm -hmm. of disease, maybe it's a relationship, you know, going through a divorce, many people, um, that becomes a trigger. Um, For me, there wasn't like a specific thing. It was more like I had reached this point where I was just exhausted and confused. Um, And so that those times um, are very important times to go back and ask these questions. But if we can remind ourselves to do it every once in a while, you know, we kind of keep on track for that period of time. But I would say it's very normal to reach these points where we really have to reassess. I think the hardest question for me to answer is, is who am I? Is that hard for you too, Kelsey? Yeah. So that's a, I feel like that's a tough one. Um, How can, and you said meditation helps get you there. Can you expand on that? Sure. So right now, while we're just sitting here, um, just simply take a deep breath in and out. So just in that breath, and I'm just going to focus on one breath here. There's a moment where you probably feel a sense of peace and calm, Mm -hmm. maybe in that pause between the in breath and the out breath. And in that pause moment, that's, peace, that is really who you are. So in that moment, you are not kind of thinking thoughts, you're not worrying about performing right now, you're not worrying about, you know, what happened this morning, what happened later in that moment, like that pause between the in and the out breath that may be expanded. That's really a sense of our soul. And who we really are, that is that place inside of us, that we carry with us all the time. So, you know, that sense of being of who you are and that's that experience. And that's the thing. It's not an intellectual thing. It's really an experiential thing. That's that part of you that you carry all the time. So that was with you yesterday. It will be with you tomorrow. It's our soul. It's our presence. And so when we experience that more and more in our life, then um, we carry that sense of peace with us through every experience. We carry it through all the different labels, all the different stresses, but we can always reconnect with it. So through one breath, we can connect, but then there are more practices. We can meditate and do other practices that maybe expand that experience. So so it's not um, an an answer, so to speak. Who am I? I'm a, a doctor or I'm a dad or I'm a, it's not, it's not yeah. that it's it's, so a- it's exactly. So it's first knowing 
that experience. So it's beyond mm-hmm. the label. So, you know, I can say I'm a mom, I'm a media entrepreneur, I'm an author, all of those, you know, but next year I'll probably, you know, I'll always be a mom. That's part of who I am now. I'm a sister, I'm a daughter. So I'm also defined in the relationships. The jobs may change, the body may change, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. other things change, mm-hmm. but they're, I'm really defined by that presence and then by the relationships that I have that really define me. Um, and so I think it's different labels. Um, you know, I could say that I'm a teacher today, but I was a doctor a year ago. I, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, our professions may change, but who we are is something more than just all those labels. Gotcha. Okay. Makes uh, sense? Yes. Yes. And I think for me, I do, I'm, I'm like you, there's times where I, I'm meditating very good. And then there's times where I call it redlining. I'm just doing too much work. And I just, I have big goals or just stuff that has to be done. I have sick people I'm taking care of right now and I just can't fit it in. So I get the dribs and the drabs. But for me, I do, it's TM that I do uh, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. For, for you, is it is it like that or do you, do, you, do you practice yes. in a different way? So I learned TM when I was nine um, and PM was, really probably for the first 20 years of my meditation practice, the practice that I did. Um, I evolved into a different mantra-based meditation, so similar to TM, but just use a different tradition that the Chopra Center kind of started mm-hmm. uh, using. Um, but I am not the meditator who does 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. In fact, I probably haven't done that for about 20 plus years. 30 years. Um, I try to find 15 minutes, maybe once a day in the middle of the day. And with my busy life, um, we all, and we all have busy lives. For me, it's about fitting it in, in a way that works. So now my kids are a little bit older, but back in the day, five, seven years ago, so much of my life was drop off, pick up activities, mm-hmm. things like that. So there was no way I could find an afternoon meditation. And in the morning, I was too busy okay. getting them to school and then getting to work. So I used to find like the two o'clock time frame. Um, and I tried to make it a habit. But the main thing is I never feel guilty if I don't meditate. If it doesn't fit in that day, it's fine. I can do it the next day. If I only find five minutes, that's fine. If I only every once in a while can take a deep breath like we just did, that's okay. So for me, it's really about just finding the practices throughout my days that work. And even you had said to that, um, you know, your diet, like you're, you'll have your times where you eat a lot of sugar or things like that. I, by mm-hmm. the way, so, so do I, you know, I'm not very good about that stuff, but I see some other people that are really good about that. I, I'm not, I'm, there's moments I'm in, there's moments I'm out. So you, can you speak to that as well? Yeah. So when I went through this exercise with living with intent, a lot of it was also realizing that I rely on sugar um, for my moods, you know, and for my energy. (laughs) And so it was really. um... All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past. But as you know, I am focused 
on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Also, it was fascinating because going back to even some of these questions, like, who am I? I realized like so much of that was also linked to my mom, to my grandmother, like all my memories of security and love were like my grandmother baking cakes and things like that. So again, I really believe that asking questions and digging deeper helps kind of bring some insight even into our everyday habits. So, I mean, the sugar remains my um, up and down thing. I would, I, uh, this is, almost embarrassing to admit, but I feel like I've got over the sugar. Um, And these days, my treat um, is Japanese hibiki whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not like I'm a a regular thing, but that's become I've kind of, you know, I've kind of feel like if I have that drink once in a while, that's like my treat now. Yeah. And that's okay, right? Totally okay. And I share these because um, some people think that, oh, because my father is Deepak Chopra, um, people often think that, oh, all we do is yoga and are vegetarian and we meditate. My dad's actually more that way, but my brother and I, and you know my brother, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're figuring it out. We're like everyone else. And I purposely share some of these things because I want people to know that's okay. Like we're all figuring it out. Yeah. Um, and as long as you have balanced habits, that's the most important. I loved um, and I think I, I think I saw this on your TED talk and I want to repeat the quote. You, you were speaking to a, a guru, not your dad, but another, um, practitioner healer. And you said to him, God, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm just a soccer mom. And his response was, it's the everyday people who do extraordinary things that are increasing the frequency of the planet. There is nothing more important, more special that you can do than be a soccer mom at this stage in your life. Just do it with love, compassion, conviction, and you will be living life with purpose. Love that. Can you so expand that on that? An amazing um, experience, and I share it in the uh, TEDx talk, which is Eckhart Tolle, who's a very popular author. Oprah's promoted him a lot. And I had this crazy situation when I went to go meet with him because I was cold like I had a cold and I was late and I was very stressed about like getting the material I needed from him for my book and I remember when I met him um there was like this moment of like oh my god I can just let go and breathe (laughs) and Mm -hmm. be present and after this amazing talk that we had I I did say that because I think when the going on to the next question how can I serve um from the book Again, when we were young, we were constantly asked, like, how how can you serve? That was really the intention behind everything that my dad did. 
And so it became, how can I serve myself? And then how can I serve the world? But in our tradition, the Indian tradition, Vedic tradition that we come from, there's this concept of dharma. And dharma means purpose in life. And so I was always very stressed about figuring out my purpose in life or figuring out my intent or yeah, figuring out how can I serve. And it always felt like I had to serve in this bigger way. And I think a lot of women feel like that too. I think we all do because we see, we now with new media, we see people doing all these great things and we think that should be us. But I think women obviously have a lot of pressure on them to be a certain thing. And guilt, because we also feel like, oh, if I'm at home with my kids, I'm at, you know, I had this great education or I'm not, you know, earning money or I'm at, you know, there's this constant stress of like, you know, am I doing enough here, but then not enough there. And so um, that was a real issue for me. So when I asked Eckhart Tolle that question um, and said, you know, I do feel like I'm a soccer mom, like I'm just driving my kids around all day and I have all this pressure to serve in this bigger way and how he answered was so such a relief it was such a ability to take a deep breath and actually feel really good about what I'm doing and the reminder that when you're doing it do it with love and do it with a sense of purpose. I mean, what could be more special, right? right. Than having that time of taking my daughter to the soccer game. Mm-hmm. So be present and do that with true intention and love and purpose. So that was a very liberating comment that he made to me, which I, he probably just said, by the way, but it like really changed my yeah. life, to be honest. Well, it resonated with me. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of, I joke, I'm the corporate wife. Because Maria is the one out there, you know, doing it and I'm behind the scenes. But, um, you know, I get up every morning and back when we had six dogs, I mean, my mornings were making six different meals. They all had health problems. And then we had a routine that was all cleaning up the poop in the morning, you know, and I had many of those moments where I was like, wait, I have an education and I had a career in television and, um, you know, this show and people like you have really helped me go, wait, no, wait, it's been way more than that. You know, it's been way more than that. And, uh, and I think, thank God I did it with love and conviction. So I don't have to look back and regret it. It's just, I carried a lot of, um, guilt and shame, like you're saying that I shouldn't have. And, uh, and I'm now able to actually through your dad, you know, he was on the show and now through you really helps me let go. And I think there's a lot of people who feel like that and they forget the um, the mission they're serving, you know, that we're all serving, right? Because you have that as one of your questions, which, you know, comes up on our show very often. All you know, It's interesting too, all the things, all the great minds who come on the show, Malika, your dad, um, Gabby Bernstein, Nicole Vaughn, it all goes back to gratitude, serving, you know, purpose, questioning, you know, take like doing inventory on yourself, like who am I and what, it's interesting, but talk, Talk about the serving part. Yeah, so how can I serve, as I said, is a, is a big question. But when I lead meditations, um, I begin with how can I serve myself? 
And I think that's something that many of us forget. Um, we're, especially women, where we're so busy taking care of our children, taking care of our parents, taking care of our communities. Um, I mentioned before, maybe, you know, I used to feel guilty uh, that I wasn't serving hot lunch in school, like, because, you know, I was busy with my work. And, you know, I would get so mumbled in my mind um, about like, oh, I need to serve everyone. But in the end, I wasn't taking care of myself. You know, I was, my diet was bad. I wasn't moving. I wasn't doing my meditation practice. I was, I remember going to my father and saying, I'm, um, I'm, I think I'm, I don't know what I am. I told him, I was like, I was mm. like, I'm tired. I'm sad. Maybe I'm oh. depressed, but I'm not sure. I'm just not feeling joyful or, and so that was a reminder that I needed to serve myself. And for that, um, I, I have an exercise in living with intent where I really begin again with basic questions of, am I sleeping enough? Mm -hmm. Am I feeling rested? Am I moving? Am I eating healthy, nutritious foods? So beginning with that, but then also asking like, am I, do I, feel connected in my relationships. So really thinking about, you know, um, my husband, my children, my family, but then even my friends, like I realized at that stage in my life when I was kind of having my breakdown was I had lost touch with say my college friends mm -hmm. who really knew me and who were the core, you know, but I was so busy that I didn't have time to reconnect. Um, so, you know, really going back and looking at like those friendships that were really simple. So am I connected? Then asking, do I like what I do every day? Um, you know, because so many of us in our profession, in our work, um, you know, we don't have things that are bringing us joy and we don't always have the choice. So then we can balance that. Well, otherwise, what's bringing me joy? Do I feel inspired? So I realized at that time. When I was younger, I used to love reading novels and poetry and art and, you know, and what I was doing is I was spending so much time on Facebook at the time, like going through, you know, seeing random people and what they're doing in their life. And I had lost just I hadn't read a novel in like years because I was, quote unquote, too busy, of course, busy, like I had enough time to kind of look at everyone else's life and how great it seemed. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that came out of that exercise was I started a book club with some friends, you know, in my neighborhood and yeah. it brought back connection to people and um, inspiration and just art um, and beautiful words. And then we, we meet every um, six months, I mean, every six weeks now. And of course, when we meet, nobody's read the book because none of us had time. <laughs> we would take out a bottle of wine, but we have such a fun evening um, where we feel like we did something intellectual. Um, and so that. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. 
I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz-free, up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. And that was like a nice balance of serving self first. Yeah. And then we can go into, okay, now how can I serve others? But if we're not feeling it ourselves, it's really hard to serve others. Um, so and then we go to the next stage. So when you're asking all those questions to yourself, you get to this place where you're starting to serve yourself. Um, how did that affect your parenting? Were you able to be a better parent, you know, and a better wife and all the other things in your life? Absolutely, as a because I think that's the thing I was at that particular stage in my life. And like I said, these come and go. Like I still, like right now, my elder daughter's gone off to college. So I'm like going through a new like phase mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. right? With one child leaving. So yes, I think it's also when you go through these times, um, one, you're just happier. So I, I talked about my father. Like I remember nine years old when there was a shift and suddenly he was happier. And because he was happier, my brother and I felt more connected to him. My mom was happier. So that's the thing. When you take care of yourself, um, then you can serve those you love better as well. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest thing because people I know would be too guilty to do. I know Marie would be too guilty to do those things. And I think that's what's caused her to get to this place of exhaustion and burnout. But that's important to know. That's the irony is that if you do serve yourself, you're going to be better in everything you do. Yeah, no, and I think we live, we're living in an interesting time where also, um, and and you and Maria know this, my family knows this, um, you know, there's this kind of public perception of what you do professionally or what people think and, you know, all the social media has fed into that. But then there's the individual journey that we all are going through um, for ourselves and with our loved ones, our closest Mm -hmm. ones. And so there's often this kind of misperception from the public face and the private life. And we know this very well because we grew up um, with many celebrities coming to my father for help. um, And they were often really suffering. And so we, from the beginning, always saw that, you know, the private life was, you know, and they were often the most brilliant and talented people on the planet. Um, and, you know, we're bringing so much joy to other people, but in their own life, we're really suffering. Yeah. I remember so, your dad spoke about Michael Jackson and saying how, you know, he had said for years he wouldn't be alive. Uh, mm-hmm. He wouldn't live to be an older person, like elderly person. Like he knew. Yeah, he knew. And that's, and I think what that experience gave us was also a, uh, kind of prioritizing um, relationships, the close relationships, prioritizing health. uh, And uh, again, going back to these questions and constantly Mm -hmm. thinking of self-reflection, asking questions 
um, and thinking about those intentions of like how we wanted what we wanted in our life um, because we had seen a lot of people suffer and again we saw a lot of people who on the outside looked like they had this fabulous life which mm-hmm. I think has only been accelerated mm-hmm. by the world right, right. now but we're still um, needed to take care of themselves. I think people can relate to that too, because even if someone's not, let's say a star, you see on Facebook, they look like they have the perfect life. But then, you know, we see, you know, you turn the curtain, you say, oh, wow, they have the same problems we do, maybe even worse. You know, go go ahead, say, I have another question for you, but go ahead, Malika. Oh yeah, no, I was just going to say in that specifically, even more so for our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, our kids, as they get on social media, they feel like they're missing out on everything and everyone looks perfect because you choose how to do that. Yeah, how do you manage that, Malika? So uh, one, I think it goes back to those questions in the book because if from a young age, we're also having kids affirm, you know, that inner sense of being, that inner sense of connection and purpose, you know, they also then start to understand that the labels and all the external stuff isn't really defining. So that's more an experiential thing, but from a very practical standpoint, one, I think it's really important to um, only let kids on social media when it's age appropriate. And then as parents to constantly, um, you know, constantly means until they're probably 13, 14, because after that, they don't really want you involved in their lives as much, but um, to constantly be having the conversation about, you know, how people present things. And so, um, and like I said earlier, I mean, I used to go on Facebook and be like, oh my God, look at, they're on this amazing trip or they're being able to do this. (laughs) A highly educated adult who's the daughter of one of the greatest of all time in what he does. And yet it affects you. So how is a course not going to affect children? Yeah. Oof. Can you, the other question I had too was um, being in an ethnic family, Maria's ethnic, they're Greek immigrants. Um, my my um, family's Italian. But I think in a lot of first-gen families, I notice there's a lot of pressure too to be, um, you may have avoided because of your dad not being like that, but maybe it was uncles, cousins, aunts, whatever. But I know um, a lot of the women in, you know, a very tight-knit, tight-knit ethnic family for all the wonderful things that go along with the culture, there is also a lot of pressure to be a certain, you have to, you're going to be a wife or you're, you're going to marry within your own uh, group or who we approve of. And can you, did that affect you at all? Or at least you can speak to people you knew growing up. Maybe hundred percent. So when my parents came here in 1970, they had they were only allowed to bring eight dollars with them um so they literally arrived here with eight dollars and that's why my dad worked 24 7 you know moonlit to just make extra cash my mom got pregnant and my parents didn't have health insurance and they could not afford to have me here so actually my mother went back to india um it was cheaper the return ticket to India than to have a baby here. So I was actually born in India mm. um, while my dad worked here in the U.S. And my mom came back after a few months with me as a newborn. So um, my my family is very much the immigrant story of also the American dream realized. You know, my dad uh, had so much success. But 
in the town that I grew up in, Lincoln. Um, I think there were three families of color. Um, so us, a Bangladeshi family and a Chinese family. And of course, the Chinese family, um, the daughter there and I are still best friends. No. To this <laughs> we grew up that way. And yes, that, you know, I think um, as one being different, as being immigrants, um, as kids uh, who also watched our parents work really hard um, to build a life, there was always pressure. So, you know, in our community, um, everybody was a doctor, literally. Um, and not only were they doctors, um, they were the Indian doctors, they were all um, the top doctor, like in their med school mm -hmm. at in India, they were always like ranked number one, two or three, like you would get ranked in India. Heavy. So my dad would always compete with his two best friends of who was one, who was two and who was three. And then my dad's brother, um, he was number two in his med school, but his wife was number one. So it was like, and this was the top med school in India. So we were literally surrounded by the smartest people who had left India, who were doctors um, over here. So to, to say there was pressure um, was an understatement. But what's interesting is, and of course, there was pressure to go to good colleges and things like that. And parents would always say, oh, there's no pressure. But there was pressure. <laughs> and, you know, both Gotham and I ended up in amazing colleges and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's one thing um, that that was said. But I will say at the end of the day, again, the gift that my parents did give Gotham and I was this freedom to also explore again the who am I question. So as you know, my brother is like was a sports fanatic. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, he's found a career, um, you know, after Channel One and many other things where he's doing that. For me, I have, as I said, the messy journey. I've had plenty of startup companies. I've written books. I've gone back to school because I didn't know what else to do. So I always, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that was like mm -hmm. a good fallback, to be honest. Um, and I do think my parents uh, gave us at least the, the, the ability to self-reflect and think about what we're passionate about and follow that. Yeah, I remember um, reading something about your dad that he said as a parent that he had said to you guys that I will support you. Just do do what you want to do. Don't worry. Don't worry about money or whatever. I will, which I think is what a blessing, you know. So, and as a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. That is actually a really important point because um, 
I think both Gautam and I recognize, and I make this really clear to my children, is that um, we have extreme privilege. And I think it's really important, even though my parents didn't, and my parents worked really hard, um, Gautam and I do have extreme privilege. So that question of how can I serve actually feels even more important, right? Mm -hmm. Because since we were given um, support and gifts and education and access, then it becomes important to share. And I do think that's where I um, both got them and I, and I'm really proud of my brother and the, you know, what he's created with religion of sports. And I think what I've been trying to do with the kids is kind of passing on so many of the things which were more life lessons um, that came with us, but we also have the privilege to be able to share them. And I I think when you serve rich or poor, and I know it's harder for poor people because they're literally fighting to make ends meet, and I get it. But when you serve, you get such a feeling of purpose in your heart that makes you feel better and stronger. So it's not just about, I have a lot, so I'll serve, but it's like, I think it's so helpful to anybody who does. And I think what I, in my experience, the way that for me, and that's the thing, everyone has to find their own way. But for me that I have found um, I can serve most is giving people space to just take a deep breath. Like we did mm-hmm. giving um, parents and teachers some tools to connect with their kids and then actually giving the kids directly the tools where they can teach their parents. Um, and so it actually is something that's universal that doesn't require, you know, actually money or things like that to act, to take a deep breath, to be aware of our body, to go outside and see nature and the sky, you know, just look at a tree or the sky and feel connected or to ground ourselves um, on the earth. So, you know, recently I did a few meditations for the Chopra app um, for kids and families. And again, these are just basic breathing exercises, um, simple meditations, taking a mindful meal, taking a mindful walk. We don't need actually a huge a many resources to be able to do that. These so are universal. T- let's do, I love mindful meal. What's a mindful meal? Yeah. So I, again, I'm always trying to think of things that we can do with kids that are fun, right. But that also bring, um, you know, these practices into place. So a mindful meal is just when you're sitting together for a meal before you just dive in um, to look at the food, to see it, look at the colors, look at the textures. Then it is um, to um, even smell, you know, the odors that are coming. Of course, the Indian food, Greek food, mm-hmm. Italian food we have, oh, yeah. you know, they're so rich um, in terms of the senses. Then as you're eating the food to really um, slowly feel the different textures. So really to experience all aspects of the food. And then, of course, meal times like that, a mindful meal is also a great time going to our last question of saying, what am I grateful for? Mm. So adding a gratitude exercise, which is it can be something as simple as, you know, what's one thing today that you were grateful for? Um, and as a family sharing that, um, you know, as friends sharing that, like it just takes that moment um, to ground us again in one, the experience of the food, 
um, and, you know, the actual physical taste of it, mm-hmm. um, but then also the gratitude. And what I love about this is that what you just described is not taking a half hour on top of the meal. No. So this is great. So do you do this every meal or just certain meals? No, I don't do it every meal at all. Um, <laughs> but once in a while, you know, especially if we're having like um, a special meal or my husband who loves to cook. So sometimes he makes really nice things. Mm-hmm. So we just take a moment because I think we're all in this habit, myself included, where half the time I have CNN on or yeah, I'm doing no, I know. To, like, I... distracted. Kelsey and I went to, we went to out to eat last night. And, you know, the waitress almost wanted to say something, but they, they know me from yeah. Maria and both our laptops are open and both our heads are down. The I food mean, she, comes. She eventually did say something. She did. What did she at, say? At the end, she was like, don't work too hard. Yeah. It was like, yeah. come on, you know, yeah. and now that you say this, yeah, I, I, I really like this mindful meal thing. Mm-hmm. I really yeah, and it, do. And that's the thing is I don't feel guilty that every meal you're not doing that. That's the main point is like, I do, I have CNN on, I have my computer on, my kids are running around, but every once in a while we make a conscious effort. We're having a mindful meal. I love it. No. And I think the less frequently do it, maybe the more you appreciate it and the more you can be mindful in that meal. If you don't do it all the time. Um, yeah. like then tell me about a mindful walk. Cause I love this too. Yes. So um, if you, it's so interesting if often you go outside for a walk more in New York City, but definitely here in L.A., what you do or you see people going for a run, everyone has their AirPods mm, in. Yes, we now do. They're listening to podcasts, of course, like your wonderful <laughs> podcast. Um, they're on the phone. They're distracted. So a mindful walk. And this is, again, things that we have we do with kids and they're in, in all the books, a mindful walk is like, you know what, put away the devices, Mm -hmm. go outside, go for a short walk and notice what's around you. So, you know, it's amazing. Even if you, when you're walking your dog next time, put away everything else and try to notice something new on the same walk that you do every single day. And it's amazing because every time you go for the walk, you're going to notice something new, um, but you're being more aware. And so similar that what we did um, with the food is I would also say, feel the breeze, like be conscious of the breeze on your skin. Um, be conscious of sounds. So, you know, again, in our cities and urban environments, there's always traffic and things like that. But like, try to pay attention to the wind blowing through the leaves of the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other sounds in nature. So a mindful walk is, again, being aware of the sounds, the sensations, the sights and the colors, noticing new things, um, the feel of the ground beneath you. Um, you know, I do a lot of that with kids of just grounding. And what is the benefit of that, Malika? Can you tell us the benefit of doing the mindful walk? So the benefit of doing the mindful walk is, again, we slow down and pause. We feel more connected to nature, one, and silence. So again, that deep breath, that pause between the in and the out breath, you start to feel that more um, because you're not distracted. Your mind's not kind of focusing on the podcast or the words or the things that you have to do. So it's just a time to connect. Love it. I, you know, I'm going to, Lincoln, we have to apply this to more things. I think there's mindful <laughs> coffees. I think there's mindful, do you know, what I, no, I'm serious. Like there's mindful drives. Yeah. yeah. And I love this doing it with partners. 
too. Yes. And like you said, with your family, your children, uh, as well as yourself. Ooh, that's a really amazing, Malika. Thank you for that as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, Malika, do you still have moments of anxi high anxiety and stress? Of course. So, um, yes. And I think that's, um, I wouldn't say high anxiety and stress, but I think in life, and that's why I go back to the, the messy journey in life, that's normal. You know, um, things are always changing, always adjusting. I think as we do these practices more and more in our life, what happens is we can respond to them in a more mindful, intentional way. So naturally, when we're in a high stress situation, um, and, you know, I really try to explain this to kids, the normal reaction is the fight flight response, right? Where, mm -hmm. you know, our blood pressure raises, our um, skin gets hot, we have sweaty palms, like when we're in a stressful situation. What these practices do is they have a real physiological effect of settling down um, a lot of the physical reactions that we have and allowing us to be more kind of mindful or intentional in any situation. But that being said, we're, we've been living in a pandemic. Um, we've been living in a time where everything has changed. So there's so much uncertainty um, where kids, um, especially, I think, can't even rationalize some of the stuff. Like, why can't I go to school? Why can't I go play with my friends? So it is a time of high stress and anxiety. So um, my first piece of advice for people is one, recognize that it is. It is a time of high stress and anxiety. We're all figuring it out and that's okay. Now, once we first accept that, and we also accept that, okay, um, not just me, but my kids may be feeling sad, they may be feeling confused and lonely and anxious and scared. Um, one, have that conversation. Because again, when we name our feelings, when we name them, um, each, even in our mind, we start to kind of settle the automatic reaction of anxiety. Uh, and then what I would do, um, and that's one of the things I've been trying to do on some of the meditations on the apps, um, is just giving kids certain tools. So like a simple one that I do with kids, but also with parents, is in this time of anxiety, um, it's really helpful to feel connected and safe to the earth. So like literally one thing I just do is like I have them stand and take a deep breath in and out focus on their feet on the ground, the stability of the earth and say, I am grounded and I am safe. You know, so you just feel in that moment, safe and grounded in the earth. Um, and then I move to like, put your hands on your heart and take a deep breath in and out and say, I am here. Because again, going back to what we started with is I am, I'm right here. So everything else is going to be crazy. And then I move on to like actually the, your, the top of your head and feeling like the space around you and then the skies and the universe above and just saying I am. And what an exercise like that does is three simple breaths, but it helps um, all of us, but especially kids kind of just ground themselves in like the moment right now because everything is uncertain and we don't know. That's the other thing. We really don't know how things are going to play out. We're all hoping and we're starting to get back into a rhythm of things. 
but we've been living in a crazy time. Yes. So, does have you ever tried that technique on a kid having a temper tantrum? Uh, because it seems like it would be effective. Yes. So I think um, as a parent who has had kids who had their temper tantrums, sometimes, uh, you know, they just need to have the tantrum and get on with it. So, you know, they're trying to express something. That being said, um, what we do try to do is like we try to do time in instead of time out. So, you know, as it were, you know, and sometimes you have to get through the, um, you know, the the tantrum itself, but then to help them breathe after that, you know, and to, you know, really slow down um, the hyperness that comes from a tantrum. I I want to hear more about a time in versus a time out. Yeah, no, I think, again, we all grew up um, probably in a culture where when we, were needed to be disciplined we were told take a time out go stand in the corner mm-hmm. um and just leave and so but i think if we shift the conversation to okay the time in and again taking the deep breath and connecting back to self instead of whatever is triggered um that reaction um, can give kids a long-term tool actually um that when they're in a stressful situation to regulate breath and just slow down. I like a time in. And when you say about naming their feelings, can you, can you be a little more specific on that? Yeah. So Dr. Dan Siegel, who I don't know if you guys have had on, on your show, but you should. Um, He is a scientist, neuroscientist, looks at the effects of the brain, et cetera. And one of the phrases that he often shares is name it to tame it. (laughs) Um, Mm. And that is really about when we are in a stressful situation, again, the automatic response, which is a biological physiological response is that um, our body reacts. So we said this before, your heart beats fast, you start sweating, um, often you turn hot. So I have cool down exercises for the kids. But when you name the feeling, like when you get in the habit of naming, okay, I'm, I'm scared right now, or I'm anxious right now, or they said something and I'm upset right now. What you do is you automatically mentally shift um, that automatic body response to like a more thoughtful response. And that actually has a physical feeling as well. Um, And so, you know, it's a real uh, science behind naming feelings um, to have a more intentional response to any situation rather than an automatic angered response or stressful response. And when we talk about naming it, are we saying I'm angry? That's the name for it? Or is it coming up with a name? I think um, so sometimes and for different people, it's different things. So sometimes it may help to name the feeling, Mm -hmm. but another um, uh, and especially with kids are often more attuned to their bodies, but how is it feeling? So like when I'm nervous, I have butterflies in my stomach Mm -hmm. or when I'm sad, my heart's hurting. Um, you know, and so you can also um, really start to feel it in your body and then just recognize where you're experiencing that and just paying attention to it will also help you kind of like, especially with kids, like if the butterflies in your stomach, we have an exercise in Just Breathe, one of the books of 
blow those butterflies away. Like actually literally envisioning the butterflies in your stomach and really taking a deep breath in and then blowing them out and envisioning them flying all over. But what that does is it helps again, bring the breath into the body and release some of that anxiety. Wow. I love that. He has a lot. I have a lot of work to do, Malika. Me too. <laughs> Apparently. Um, Malika, when is the, the new book out in the Just Be series? Or it's is out. It's out now? Mm-hmm. It's out now and you can get it on Amazon? Mm-hmm. Yes, it came out last week. So the Just Be series is three books. It's Just Breathe, Just Feel, and now Just Be You. So Just Breathe is really meditation, mindfulness, practical techniques. Just Feel is about the feelings and um, social and emotional learning and intelligence. And then the just be you is um, structured around those four questions that we talked about. Who am I? What do I want? How can I serve? And what am I grateful I for? I think just being you is, I don't know, feels like one of the hardest things to do, but we keep hearing that. Just be, be present, yeah. just be. Um, how, what age can you start with the kids? On, or what age did you start with your children for meditation? Yeah, so the books that I wrote are for eight, to, we say eight to 12 year olds, um, but the goal is, they're books that kids can read themselves versus like a parenting book. Mm-hmm. So they're really structured as books for kids. Um, and I wanted to do that because I, you know, people are always asking me like, how do I teach my kids um, how to meditate and, you know, things like that. Whereas my thing is, well, do you have a practice? And if you have a practice, your kids will follow you. Now what I'm seeing is that kids are learning these practices in schools and hopefully through books like mine and whatnot. And they're starting to teach their parents. So my kids always tell me, mom, calm down, just breathe. You know, (laughs) it's really being reversed. Um, So I think you can uh, teach kids at a young age um, when they're really young. It's more about your practice, not getting them to do anything. And so uh, that's why I share my family story, because it was my parents had a practice and and their lives changed and in turn got them in my life changed. And so the parents lead by example, not just words. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, you can't tell your kids to do all this stuff if you're not doing it. So Mm -hmm. from a very young age, you can have a mindful meal or a mindful moment um, or just have a gratitude practice that you start at a young age with your kids. Um, You can play together um, without all the distractions or go for a mindful walk. Um, As I said, so these are all things, it's not about teaching our kids to meditate, but it's like doing things together. Yes. Conscious breathing, conscious walking, gratitude exercises, things like that, that it becomes part of your everyday. It becomes part of the family. Amazing. And are you finding more young people? I mean, yes, you came up with this, but are you seeing more families now practicing this stuff? So when my dad started sharing these practices or talking about a mind-body connection, when we were young in Boston, um, he was called a witch doctor who sold snake oil. I mean, that was our entire childhood. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Now um, there is, I guess, this the the Western scientific models that, through research, um, have shown the benefits of meditation and mindfulness practices. Because there's reams of research in the last 10, 15 years, suddenly we're seeing it everywhere, right? In corporations, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. schools, um, in government, etc which is fantastic. We, there are too many apps out there. I mean, it's everywhere right now. 
Um, and that's, I think, a very positive uh, development. Um, but I like to remind people that meditation is not about stress management. Um, the sages who were meditating, whether it was in, you know, um, India or uh, Eastern Asia or Native American traditions here and in South America or in Israel, you know, all these wisdom traditions, those people were doing these practices to ask, who am I and how can I serve and what is my place in the universe? They are spiritual practices. Um, and so that's really the goal with the final book, Just Be You, is yes, we can have all these self-regulating exercises um, like breathing and meditation and mindfulness to help us. But ultimately, it is about asking bigger questions. And that's what makes um, the journey so much more special. Lika, I think you're such a gift. Uh, obviously, your whole family, but you especially. Um, I think women really need to hear this right now. I think moms need to hear this right now. Dads do, by the way, because I know I had a lot of takeaway. And uh, I think that the other book about your messy life, too, I think that really resonates because I... I know I feel like there's moments I'm I have it together and there's times I just don't. You know, and I and I think the what the message I got from you is that that's okay. Totally okay, totally normal. And um it keeps happening. We just find more tools to get through it. Malika Chopra. Malika, thank you so much. And uh you guys please uh go support Malika, get these books for your families and for yourself. Um it's at Malika Chopra and uh, Malika, please stay in touch. And when we get back to LA, we should all get try to get together when all of this passes. Thank you. And, and send love to Maria. I too. will. Great discussion. Did that speak to you? Yeah, definitely. Kels, how? I think... Um, you have to talk into the mic. Hold on, make sure Steven's back on. Okay, good. Um, for me, it was what she said. Like, she just kind of wrapped it up at the end. It, just asking the bigger question is key, right? It's not about stress management. It's not about managing this or managing that. It's like when you start asking these bigger questions about who you are, then you start to be, right. then you start, then you can start living this less stressful life. This, this, But don't this, be stressed this. about asking those questions either. No, yeah. Right? She seems, right. you know, because I think that could be stressful too. Because I know I was stressing out like, wait, I don't know. I don't know no. who I am. I have to ask Maria who I am all the time. No, I'm, I feel the same way. And I was going to ask her too. I should have, like, I feel like, we feel a lot of us feel like we're so many things, right? Cause that's mm -hmm. always my, and I think that's what she would say. Right. And that's fine. Yes. And that's I think fine. the, who am I doesn't have to be answered. It's right. what it's in your heart and right. asking yourself, Stephen, did, did any of this resonate with you? Yeah. I mean, I like, I like the aspect of the, the mindfulness, like, you know, we live so much of our lives on autopilot and we ascribe significance to so many things that affect us mm -hmm. as opposed to, putting significance into things that we're actively interacting with and doing mm -hmm. like eating and like the things that are around us and the things that I can look at my window and see trees and see all these things. Mm -hmm. And we just go through most of our life ignoring that. Yeah, so do. it's just like kind of what we had our last guest talk about where you need to schedule time to rethink. You need to have time to actually yeah. be aware yep. of everything going on. I like her talking about the um, giving back too. I mean, we talk about it a lot. You you got to put your mask on first before you put someone else's. But mm -hmm. it's so real. It, you cannot your, yeah, your, serve your oxygen others. mask. Right. Yes. You cannot. Yeah. Not your not your COVID mask. Yeah. Your oxygen mask. You can't serve others though unless you first serve yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's the one thing that's hard is in this day and age. Everyone's like, okay, 
That's all about me. It's like, no, no, no. No, we so yeah, for, pause. We didn't mean that. Yeah. So for our heel squad, who like we talked about with yeah. Adam Grant, most of us are givers. Yes. We have to serve ourselves first. You yeah. have to take that time for yourself. But let me give you the motivation. Hmm. Because sometimes it's just not enough. No, it's hard. Like yeah. I will again, I'll speak to Catholic culture. I know so many that's not enough to say that to somebody. They go, Yeah, 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 but I have to mm. give to all these other people around me. You don't understand. They can't live without me. But Malika said was, you will be your best server. Yes. Your best giver. Yep. You'll be so much, um, so, so, so much better. Um, and not just in serving and giving, but in your role as a friend, a mom, dad, yep. husband, wife, et cetera. So, so make that your motivation. Mm. If you can't do it for yourself, then do it for those do around for you. You should do it for yourself. But I get where people just have a disconnect and they, they can't, Yeah, you know, like I, I just think I go, go back to Lita, Maria's mom. It would, that's the only thing that would motivate her. If I said, you'll be better for your husband, you'll be better for your two kids. Mm -hmm. If you do this, then that might have resonated. Yeah. She was so, great. So yeah. Yeah. Really special. And, uh, I forgot they were from Boston. Hmm. Oh, we should have. And Kelsey's in her. Bruin shirt today. Oh, yeah. Representing. Uh, we should have showed her. And your headband. You look like, it, it literally, if if no one knew any better, they would think tonight you're going to the garden. <laughs> to the garden. To I've the garden. To the garden. You will get there when okay. life comes back. Yeah, you'd be going to see your Bruins. Yeah, we should have showed her. Yeah, because her brother Gotham does religion of sports. He's partners with Tom Brady. Aww. And he, he was always with the Celtics when he was younger. And yeah, he's a diehard. Uh, fan and again, he, he and Maria started together, so crazy. It all comes around. They're good people. They're really good people. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, and hopefully it resonates with everyone else out there too. I I think meditation's so great because, as she was saying, it doesn't take a lot of time, um, and it's uh, it doesn't cost money, right? You know, so that's the other thing I love too. When you asked her about uh, TM, which I want you to. To define for everyone, by the way, for people who don't know. Transcendental meditation. Great. Mm -hmm. So for when you mentioned that to her, she's like, God, I haven't done that in 20 plus years. Yeah. That made me feel really good, <laughs> you know? Well, I and I was thinking she was going to say, I have a far more evolved method. And right. it was like, no, no, I just don't do that anymore. I fit in 10 minutes when I can, yeah. where it feels good. It's not a forced, so. And I think we're also learning there's other ways to meditate. Mm -hmm. her, those meals, those walks. Um, yeah. uh, uh, Joe McHale doing the rosary bead out loud was his form of meditation. Yeah. So I think, uh, if you're cooking, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, if you're mindful of, um, anyway, so, Loved well, her. kids, thank you, uh, everybody, uh, for hanging in with us. Um, we have another favor to ask. We have, we've been putting up a lot of these clips, um, from these people, because we know, you know, a lot of people don't have the hour and 10, speaking of time, they don't have the hour and 10 minutes or hour and a half to dedicate to an entire episode. So Stephen, myself and Kelsey have been working really hard to cut clips and almost create like a Cliff Notes mm -hmm. uh, version of the show. And um, so if you haven't subscribed to At Better Together with Maria, please do, because we put a lot of them there. But we've also started a YouTube page called Better Together Clips. Mm -hmm. And as of now, there were all these wonderful clips that we worked so hard on. And all our guests, given 
these great like one to two minute takeaways, you know, sometimes a little longer, but fast stuff that could change your life. And because of the algorithms of YouTube, it was buried. I, I literally couldn't even find no, these. Kevin, I spent so long trying to find the page. So we subbed and then we asked the community mm-hmm. and, and we have some people who have subscribed. So if you would be so kind as to find a Better Together with Maria Menounos clips, Stephen. With better that. Together clips. I don't think it's that because there's another Better Together. There's Better Together clips there's, and I also... Go ahead, There's somebody else's Better Together podcast clips. This is yeah. Better Together clips. Better Together clips. So, and I posted the link on our Facebook group, and I also posted it on the community page on YouTube. Thank you, guys, because it because it helps. I mean, listen, we could we'd be happy to do less work and not yeah uh, do the because it, it it's a lot of editing, it's a lot of work post show to do these. Well, and I think the but, cool thing about it too, Kev, it's like. It's beneficial for you guys. If you don't well, have that's time we're doing to it. watch the whole yeah. show, we're posting these like quick three to ten minute aha moments on there that could change your life. So, well, look at just even hearing about a mindful meal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to apply that now. Yeah. And but yeah. but maybe I didn't have an hour and a half to listen to the whole that's interview. Yeah. But if I see that clip, I'm like, wait, I can. That's a tool I can use. I'll put that right in my toolbox, Definitely. and I can use that. So we're working really hard on it, and um, you know we're doing it for that very reason is we want to provide value we want to live up to the mission of this show and um yeah and we know in the hustle and bustle out there and people not having a lot of time you know we know that's a fast way to get some of the lessons you need so if you could do that you guys better together clips if you could subscribe to that along with that better together with maria uh that would be wonderful okay you guys listen Kelsey, take us out of here. What do we do? <laughs> we love you guys. And remember to be nice people, make good choices, and be present and pet your dogs. Yes. And love your babies. And love your babies. Bye, you guys. Hey, Hill Squad. We have been on quite the journey together. And we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it. And we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.